0: Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The extreme temperatures across Europe, as well as the war in the Ukraine, are constantly bringing our attention to the importance of food production. Europe, especially Eastern Europe, plays a hugely important part in supplying feed to the world. As we've seen over the past six months with the Ukraine, any disruption in grain supply reverberates quickly to world grain markets. Traditionally, the biggest disruptor to this supply was lack of yield, therefore less grain to be exported. Romania borders Ukraine and is also a very important exporter of grain through the Black Sea ports. So today I'm again delighted to be joined by Jim McCarty, who's farming in Romania, to give us an insight into the harvest and also a view on grain supply in his part of the world. Jim, when we spoke last, you were very worried about the lack of rainfall. As you said, you were short of a huge amount of water. How did your spring crops get on since we spoke last?
1: If anything, Michael, that situation actually got worse. All the eastern third of Romania basically has had it from the first of September to the end of June has had its driest one period on record. At the end of June, Michael, all our farms were between 220 and 250 millimeters of rain from the first of September last. So we started harvesting on the first of July. Those wheat crops are growing with 220 millimetres of rain. So our wheat yields are down 43%. That situation is continuing to worsen for soybeans and corn because the corn is, is getting huge temperatures at a time that's very it's very vulnerable. Once you get to 32 degrees, corn pollen becomes very, very, very susceptible to not producing seed. And so... We, we've had with 34, 35 for 15 days and it absolutely devastated things for corn and that. Um, I mean, there's quite a few guys after taking corn for silage. Um, in the west of Romania and Timisoara, that area rad Rad had very good farming and very good land. They got more rain over winter and their wheat and rape was good but they got a week of 41, 42 and it's just devastated our corn and sunflowers and I think this is the, the, the what's worrying everybody here is the huge surge in temperatures. Okay. You know, we, we, we'd get 34 or 5 degrees for a day or two and it'd be over, but to get 15 days of it and we're now back into that again, that is the one, that is the big, big concern.
0: So go back to Jim for a second. Did, did, you, did, did you get all your spring crops in and they emerged and you actually had a crop in front of you yeah. to hopefully get... If you like a crop item, did,
1: did that happen? Michael, you okay? we, 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 te- we, have, we have great seeding capacity. We have great seeding capacity. And so we really get on with it. Uh, to give you an idea of the capacity we have with, with the four big seeders, from the morning of the 5th of, of April to the morning of the 20th of April, they seeded over 16,000 acres. Well, wow. seeders. And so that was great help. We have about 80 hectares of sunflower that didn't emerge because we're all taking on new land. And it's always up to the last minute for the swapping contracts and problems with it. So it's about 80 hectares of sunflower that didn't emerge. But we got 50 millimeters of thunderstorm in that area. And we bought some short-cycle sunflower and we reseeded them. Now will they come to anything? I don't know. The sugar beet is just amazing. And how stuck the weather's today, I can't believe. You know, we we seed 120,000 seeds a hectare. We've got 100,000 plants and they're very uniform. And the beet is very nice considering it's only had, you know, 10 inches of rain. Do you have any access to irrigation at all, Jim? No. Or is that, is that something that's we, just... We you don't, reach? Michael. Now, there was, in a, this area, quite in the time of communism, quite a bit of land irrigated. But all that system was, basically, the whole lot of it, the infrastructure was stolen all the pumping stations, all that, when communism collapsed. There is, you know, as you know, I'm very involved in the investment world. This is this thing with all the big hedge funds, you know, the irrigation is the answer to the maiden's prayer. Well, it's not, because yeah. irrigation is fine. It's a huge capital cost. But the problem with irrigation is you can only venture down that road if you've got a very secure water supply. For instance, the three biggest counties for irrigation in the southeast of Romania yesterday morning stopped irrigating because the Danube has gone too low. They were pumping all the water out of the Danube and the Danube is too low. And so now you have guys who have crops at very vulnerable stages, who've spent a lot of money on in inputs, who spend a lot of money in irrigation and have no water today. That's a really tough situation.
0: Yeah, it It. Geez, it sounds It sounds pretty horrendous all around there. So if you were to kind of take, a, a I suppose to give our, our listeners a little bit of a, a view on it, you, you were very much saying that your part of the world just around um, the eastern third of Romania is pretty bad. But if you were to look a little bit further around your overall region there, because I, I think we, we are hearing that in the Ukraine, it's very dry apart from all the other kind of compounding issues anyway, but it was very dry anyways. But is that entire region going to end up in a much, Absolutely. much lower harvest? Uh, all the uh, way Michael,
1: the, the yield of maize um, is dropping like a stone by the day. Um they, the projection was for Romania to produce 15 million tons of maize, grain maize. That yesterday was forecasted at
0: 7.9. Wow.
1: Um, and it stretches. I've got a friend farming about 200k south of Kiev. And that's all the way right across to him and further on again. So this is, this is a very large area, and it's all across Southern Europe. I, I, I call them our supreme leaders in the EU Commission. They just fail to realize how vulnerable food supply is as climate change, the effects of climate change kick in, because it's hotter and drier than we, any of us ever witnessed before. It's hotter and drier. We, we had a drought in 2015, Michael, uh, here in Romania, and it was the worst, it was the drought, the worst drought in 70 years, but now a few years later we have a worse one, because we have 220 in in 2015. We got 310 millimetres of rain in this period, one month ago, and I don't think we're going to get 100 millimetres of rain between over the next month. And I'd be very happy if we do, but I very much doubt, so this drought will be worse. And the temperatures, the average temperature will show as well as being much higher.
0: So what's the, for for maize, which is a massive crop at your part of the world, what's the critical, I mean, is time running out for for that in terms of rain or is it gone or where is that? Is it it, it Michael,
1: unless it gets rain, the yields will continue to fall. We have a lot of very nice maize, um, really nice, that could yield six tons if it got some some uh, one two decent rains but you're looking at three tons if it doesn't we have the sugar beet is a, becoming a big issue for us because the sugar beet takes all the water right up to the time you harvest it and so the and michael hey, look here here's the thing we've got to do we've got all the change you know get smarter rotations move completely to no-till judicious use of cover cropping you know where we didn't kill cover crops early enough gave us a bit of pro- some problems as well. But they've done a great job in weed control, so we know we're on the right path. But we got them in years like this. Got, we got to terminate them a lot earlier. But um, you know, this 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 year is is just so extreme. It's really um, you know making a lot of people scratch their heads and say, "Hey, food security um, mightn't just be as easy as as people think." And um, you know, we, we have this huge green agenda in Europe and just moving toward that. The, the farm to fork strategy, there has been no impact study done on that, okay? And so, if you take here in the Balkans, Bulgaria, Romania, Ukraine, um, a lot of people, the, the, the pension for the elderly is €200 euros a month. In Romania, in the month of June, we had 15% inflation. And if we have our leaders trying to cut food production... By going organic michael our wheat yields are down for 40 percent but our organic wheat only produced 57 percent of what the conventional wheat produced
0: yeah this is no surprise i suppose to, to many of our listeners um you know i mean it's
1: it's uh, it's it's a difficult um people are very concerned michael, around the drop in grain prices because of the opening up of the ukraine grain supplies the, the market is still at the level which was an amazing level for all of us at when the war started uh, i got some very good slides from stonex yesterday on this and and so the market is still you know very very high considering where we've come from now people will yeah. be disappointed because i got a winter barley yields at home are disappointing you know but it's this this is the way, this is the way it is so um and like this the whole grain problem is across all southern europe all southern europe even in france as well um, and and grain prices are i mean sugar be, sugar prices are are huge i mean we sell for, for 2021 at 26 euros a ton we then get a, sh- a price adjustment the following june based on the price of sugar from october november december january february and march we ended up getting 36 euros a ton so our base price for this year move from 26 to 36 euros a ton and we had a meeting with the factory last week and they're saying, well actually we're signing contracts forward at about 800 tons euros a ton for sugar, which means the price at 16 percent would be 46 euros a ton. You know so like the whole food thing is <laughs> it's not as plentiful as people think it is.
0: So Jim, in terms of your own harvest, just on your own farm, how is that progressing? Are you well into it, or have you got fifty percent of it done, or or, or how well, far? Well, winter in wheat,
1: which is um, between the organic and conventional, we have two thousand three hundred hectares. That's done. The rape is done, and the organic linseed is done. So we're basically idle now for a month until the sunflowers come. And okay. and so we we've we seven we've seven very big combines, all at thirty five foot cutter bars, and. Our big problem, Michael, is to stop moisture from falling too much. We never dry wheat, never, ever. And so the, the big thing is to stop it. But what we did is that we have two drivers per combine, and uh, we actually work very long days. Uh, so every driver did every second day. So he came in at 6 in the morning and he drove till 11 at night. And so if you were, if you have the combine in the field at 7 o'clock and you combine till 11 at night and you chase over each combine and a good supply of trucks... Uh, then away you go and it, it, it is it it just goes to show the what scale does for you michael our frontline combines are the ones the newer combines that they will now go the soybean and the sunflower will come together in a year like this so four of them have we have soybean headers for them we have two mcdons which are brilliant for soy and for wheat and for rape and we have two standard soybean cutter bars So they'll go at the soybean and then there'll be two of the other combines go at the, or three at the sunflowers. Um, And then the the four good combines when they finish the soybean, they will go into the corn. We'll only run like, like last year, we, we produced 42,000 tons of corn across all our companies. And, and so we only with four combines, but we harvest night and day because these combines will knock out 50, 60 tons an hour. So the actual logistics of hauling it, particularly now with four intakes, we take in grain in four places within the business, but even still, when you've got 50, 60 tons an hour coming off, you know, you need huge logistics. And, you know, you're talking about any day taking 2,000, 2,100 tons. The other the other thing, Michael, you know, I think the listeners will be interested in the combine usage are when the Tillage and Land Use Society were here with us uh, in 2018, there was a new combine in the shed. That combine today after finishing wheat has four thousand three hundred hours on the engine. Oh, gee, um, we have two combines we bought in two thousand and fourteen for the two thousand and fourteen season. They both have now been scrapped, in that they both have over six thousand hours and they're actually starting to crack internally. They're so worn. So we get we get enormous utilization. We have to keep very low costs, Michael. You know. Our, we lease everything and write it off over five years and we just pay, because we can get plenty of help and good help. The drivers come in six o'clock Monday morning which then we're harvesting maize and two drivers then 12 hours each until four o'clock Saturday evening when we service everything and we don't work Sundays because we get so much fine weather uh, and, and away you go. And we, and we, get, Mike, we get the same utilisation of tractors. We got a new case Puma on the 27th of April went to work on a new sprayer, and on the 30th of June, it's we take every month we take, we list the hours and everything, and had 615 hours done. New tractor. Okay. We have two Pumas who are on sprayers literally permanently. They came in February 2018, and they have 10,000 hours in them now. So our machines die with us, you know. We actually have 2014 quad tracks that are worn out absolutely black worn out one of them has got to be scrapped actually you know mm-hmm. so, and it's great michael our leasing costs we're to run the, because of this the scale of thing our leasing costs we buy all the machinery to leasing, is 100 euros a hectare or 40 euros an acre i mean i've had two groups of irish people here with me recently and they've been absolutely gobsmacked at the amount of machinery but actually when you spread it out over 15 and a half thousand hectares it's a very low cost per hectare, and that includes buying grain dryers and everything. And so we've just installed another 55-ton Alvin Blanch dryer. Um, and this year we won't need it because there won't be that amount of maize to be dried, and it won't be a it won't be wet as well last year was a tough year ear drying maize. Certainly, for 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 everything you've after saying so far, just I suppose in terms of
0: the. The harvest and where that's going in terms of efficiency of your machinery, you, you you probably do need that built into the system, being being you know in a relatively low cost exactly. scenario. And I just wanted to I just wanted to kind of come back around maybe to the yields a second for, for a second, and and I know we talked before about you know forward selling grain uh, and that uh, how how do you manage that given the fact that I suppose look here in Ireland we could almost for most years one year but you know kind of say our average yield is going to be reasonably good. But when you're talking about a swing in your yields there that you're talking about of 40% down in your wheat and you don't know where your maize is going to be, how do you balance that in terms of trying to forward sell at some of those really nice high prices that were there?
1: Well, you, You're just very careful. Um, certainly you don't sell more than 40% forward and you'd sell less than the maize. What we sell, Michael, is we sell the, what we need for cash flow for September and October. The market usually here bombs out completely in september october now we need we need money to run the business and we need money for rent in september and october so that is what we sell forward and this year it was maize some maize and a lot of sunflower sold forward we didn't sell any wheat forward because since we spoke last our concern all the time was around wheat cut quality and and so we're selling all milling wheat I wasn't prepared to sell wheat forward until I knew what I had quality-wise, because you can get fairly significant penalties. Now the good thing is we get significant bonuses, because straight enough, some of the wheat actually turned out very, very well, and so it was really great, great quality milling wheat. And and we've quite a lot of that now. We have some rubbish as well, but the percentage of rubbish is far smaller than we expected. And and and
0: looking for and and looking forward, then Jim, just just in in terms of the next year, as you're saying, you need a cash flow for September and that uh, uh, to try and get crops going. What, what way do you see or do you view your, I suppose, fertilizers going, going the wrong way and prices are probably going the other direction? What way do you see it? What way do you view that in terms of forward buying fertilizer, I suppose, and your, and your crop well, decisions for next year?
1: Well, Michael, D., I think what will be happening to a lot of farmers here in Romania, this is the, we will certainly drop back from we, we grow about 40% maize, 40% of our land is in maize. That will drop back to 33%, 34%. We'll increase the sunflowers a bit because the price is very good. Um, sunflowers are the only grains that we trade that's traded in dollars. And that's been, in the fertilizer business, that's been a nightmare because the dollar strengthening is driving fertilizer prices through the roof. It was driving the sunflower prices through the roof as well, which is great. But So we'll be increasing that. The sugar beet, because it's so inherently profitable with the huge subsidy and great prices, that will stay at about 2,500 acres of beet. Um, it's just tweaky one way or another. We have bought all the DAP, all, all phosphorus forward that we need. We got to buy some can, can drop down there in June for a little while to 560. We got some can at that. Um, we have some UAN in stock. So yeah, the some of the DAP cost us eleven hundred dollars a ton. You know, it's painful, but there you go. There's no other choice. You gotta suck it up and see. Um and we're ready to rock and roll. And as I said we don't have to use potash, which is a huge saving. More of more of the land would be no-tilled. Huge, huge thing coming from that. The way we're using water, absolutely eye-opening. What's happening with that? And and on we go and any Bit more rain, we we're flying at these prices. You know, the thing is, Michael, we designed our system around a very low cost, a very low cost system. We have very, very low costs, ah. and and um, you know, we can it, it's very simple. I don't mind sharing this with people. Like, our machinery repairs and maintenance is 50 euros a hectare, and our leasing is 100 euros a hectare. So, our machinery costs are so low, and you know, we can buy inputs at the right price, and we don't have to hue use huge volumes of inputs so, and we don't because the risk factor is too big for going out you know using huge amounts and so you know we can we can break even at a very low point and that's what you do in this case
0: and 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 and, and talking about risks jim there, there, certainly there's there's this part of the world a lot of people would would view the uh, I suppose maybe the, 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 the I amount mean, of grain that's trapped in Odessa and the very different ports there coming out of Ukraine and, and and the recent deal that was done between Russia, Ukraine and, and Turkey as a broker they, certainly some parts of the world would see that as a great thing, other people I well suppose, farmers would kind of say, Jesus, this is a bigger risk what's going to happen to prices what way do you view it or do you have any insight into what potentially might happen there? Is that grain going to come out? I think my do you
1: think? really hit the nail on the head, the two views we get um, an update from a brokerage in Constant every Monday morning. They they issue a, we pay for it a, a, an information document, you know, a, a market report. And um, there's two trains of thought. Firstly, the one is that the Russians have got a great deal. All the Ukrainians have got out. Of this is the market has opened up, and they can sell their wheat. But the Russians have got far more in that other ships are all free to work. They will get access now to the Swiss system to get paid for their grain. So that's a huge plus for them. Now they're going to get money as well. And, and then the, the, the thought is now this being clarified today and tomorrow, but they have, the Russians have huge stocks of fertilizer seized in different ports. Like there's a big stock in Constanta of Russian fertilizer that's sanctioned. That all that's going to become available and the Russians have huge stocks ready to go and that they will be shipping like hell in, from now on into the market. The more cynical train of thought is that there's 30, 40 ships close to Odessa that have can't move because of the war. The mines have to be cleared. Some are filled with grain, some are to be filled. The port staff have to come back. Repairs have to be done. So it's going to take a while to open up. But the thought is, among some people, that once the Russians have that 30, 40 ships out of the way, that they will be off again, or they'll slowly renege in it, that they will attack Odessa. Because that's the prize, the jewel in the crown for the Russians, that they will attack Odessa from the sea, but they can't attack it with the mines in place. And those 30, 40 ships, they're all internationally owned and create a huge international furore. And there's that train of thought. And, and I think, Michael, the thing that people need to realize about, the, the grain coming out of Odessa, there's some double counting going on in the whole grain picture thing at the moment. The Russians are now claiming they've got a 91, 92 million tonne harvest Everyone else says, no, it's 79, That 11, 12 million tons is all the grain from the eastern Ukraine that they've stolen. And they're shipping that now out of Mariupol. And so that is a couple of standard. Ukraine has three ports open. If there was no war. If there was no infrastructure damage, if everything was perfect, those three ports with a push would manage 20 million tons. That's nowhere near what the Ukraine need to solve the problem. So this is, game isn't over yet by any stretch of the imagination and and so you know it's a you know the 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 and i think you know the way the russians have behaved and all this that the greatest indicator of future behavior is past behavior so i wouldn't uh, but i I think the tillage farmers need to be realistic michael 400 tonne euro wheat for pig farmers and chicken farmers this is not this is not sustainable and 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 what kills demand, michael is high prices I mean, there's a shortage of chicken in the market here in Romania at the moment because people haven't been filling their chicken houses at the contracts they had with the supermarkets. They just couldn't buy the feed. Tillage farmers, we've got to be listening.
0: Oh, I look, and and I think so. I think in fairness, I think most tillage farmers here in Ireland were 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 pretty um, were pretty conscious that it, it it wasn't going to last, couldn't last, and uh, you know they certainly had to on their eye on under farmer neighbours, especially supposed to to pig guys here. Who were losing money hand over fist every month, and it was it was it was particularly acute for them. You know, and, and there's only so much money you can lose. Jim as always look. Thanks very much. No problem. So that's it for this week. My thanks again to Jim for joining me on the podcast this week. I again want to mention the new nitrate rules, which require all tillage land to be double cultivated no later than 14 days after harvest to encourage green cover. This cultivation is to encourage volunteer growth to trap free nitrogen in the soil and prevent this nitrogen leaking into rivers. This will prove difficult for some farmers and we await the final text of the nitrates rules, which are now very much overdue. And we hope there may well be some amendments to these requirements, but until these are published, the existing rules stand. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague, and as always, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.